Welcome everyone to the third episode of The Center Project. Today I'm joined by a friend of mine named Aaron. Aaron, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm currently a fourth year student, biology student on the pre-med track at the UF and I'm very happy to be on the show right now. Oh, I appreciate that, man. So we're going to first off start with something you mentioned right before I started recording is that you're from Tampa and how Tampa sports are doing really good right now. Their baseball team is ahead in the playoffs. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. So how do, you, how do you feel about, like, you know, as a Tampa resident? Uh, it's very exciting. I mean, especially with the Lightning. I mean, the Lightning, we were a little bit kind of hoping it for it because they've been so good for the past five years. But they always choke towards the end of the playoffs. So we we're so happy that they won the Stanley Cup. And, like, mm-hmm. now the Rays are in the World Series. Um, like, it's amazing. And now the Bucks are, they're predicting it'll be good this year because Tom Brady's on it. So I'm really excited. It's very exciting to be a Tampa resident right now. Mm, yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the Super Bowl is supposed to be held in Tampa too. So uh, I don't think any like Super Bowl team has played in their home arena. So if that actually happens, I mean, that'd be like the biggest year for Tampa. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. And Tampa beat the, crushed the Packers yesterday. The Packers are number oh one yeah, team dude, that the, was a crushing Packers. defeat. Yeah. So, all right, so we're going to straight jump into um, the politics side of it. You know, first of all, congratulations on all the Tampa stuff. Uh, But I actually, when um, I looked up your profile on Instagram, I noticed that um, you had UF Senate in your bias. Are you part of the University of Florida Senate? Yeah, I am right now. I'm currently a a College of Liberal Arts and Sciences Senator. I was selected in February, so I'm currently still in term for a year year long. Right. So, I mean, I guess the main thing I was I wanted to ask was that, so how does national politics come into play? Because I know a lot of the times from what I've seen from these, you know, and not just UF, but other universities, political parties and candidates, I feel like somehow they're tied into like national politics where usually one party is kind of left leaning and the other party is kind of right leaning. Is that true for UF politics as well? I'd say it is definitely a little bit true. I mean, there are definitely, of course, people from both parties. Like, this, the two main parties are there's Gator Party right now, and right now there's multiple indie parties. There's usually Gator Party, which is, like, kind of, like, you know, the main party that, like, usually wins the elections in a majority party right now, and then there's usually, like, a minority party. I'd say there's people from, like, that are left and right wing on both sides. I'd say right now the majority party has a little bit more right wing people, but there are definitely some left wing people in, in there. Um, like, for instance, like, you know, you heard about what happened to like, Michael Murphy last year with the whole Donald Trump Jr. incident. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, like, and I heard, like, some people, like, in the majority party are trying to, like, you know, um, help out with, like, Charlie Kirk and, like, trying to coin USA. So I definitely feel the majority party is a little bit more right-wing leaning, but there are definitely some left-wing people inside the majority party. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in general, like, um, what is kind of your platform when it comes to, because I know there's, like, sp- certain things regarding UF, but... Outside of UF, what is your stance on like inviting political guests to campuses? I think it's okay to invite political guests if they're not, they don't have like an active campaign within like the next one year. Like, and mm-hmm. Donald Trump Jr. literally had a campaign, a re-election the entire next year. Um, so I don't think it's right to have a political candidate to come unless they're not actively like seeking re-election within that one year. Okay, so even like because uh, I'm not—is Donald Trump Jr. running for office? Because it's um, not, but he's a very heavily uh, obviously advocate of Donald Trump, and Kimberly right. Guilfoyle also came, and she was like the campaign manager for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes so sense. Yeah, they're very uh, 
political advocates. Like Kimberly Gopal, I don't know if you heard her RNC speech. She was like yelling the entire time. My ears hurt after that speech. <laughs> yeah, no, um, for sure. I, I can definitely like see that. So next thing I wanted to kind of touch on, I guess, is so um, I've seen that you're like very proud of your Sikh heritage. Um, I'm guessing you hail from Punjab, India, correct? <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm, I'm from the U.S. Like I was born and raised in um, the right. U.S., but my, my parents and my grandparents are all from like Punjab, India. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how as um, because you know my previous guests, uh, my first guest was an African American, and my second guest was a Cuban American. So I love hearing the political stances of individuals from different communities. So how has like a Sikh American? How's your experience been been under you know Donald Trump's presidency in general? <laughs> Uh, I'm letting you know it's pronounced sick, actually. See, sick. Is kinda, okay. Like, you know, Th- thank know you for letting sick. me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sick is like means a student, like Persian, you know. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's pronounced sick, and then so well, Donald Trump, of course, I feel like he's um, I he's definitely like very far right candidate. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Like in, in my opinion, like there's some six, of course, that do like him. I feel like overall, more six community does lean a bit left. Especially like the organizations, there's like Sick Coalition and National Sick Campaign. I feel like they are like definitely like more left left wing leaning. Like, um, and I feel like Donald Trump is just very much alienizing the whole uh, every single minority. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, you saw in the DNC, like he had a per uh, not the DNC the debate. He had a perfect opportunity to condemn white supremacy, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, he could have easily done it whatsoever and had some minorities on his side. Like, I know some minorities that are like you know, like, more richer, right-wing, you know, but, like, they are voting against Trump, even though they're, like, affiliated with the Republican Party, because he's doing, um, he's, like, advocating, or not advocating, but he supports, like, white supremacy, and, like, it's kind of leading to more hate crimes against minorities, which is, of course, not good at all. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, no, I've definitely, like, heard that from, like, so far, the minority guests I've had that, um, uh, they do feel like alienated, um, you know, in, in Trump's America, and, um, especially uh, he has like in the past condemned um, white supremacists. I have, I'll give him credit for that, but it shouldn't be a thing of hesitation, you know, so, yeah. um, like how he hesitated in the debate. So to get like our listeners, like a better representation of what your beliefs align with, who, what would be like an individual, it could be a political candidate or a celebrity, do you believe your political views align with the most? Well, I feel like I'm, I'm a little more left-wing leaning, but I feel like definitely Bernie Sanders, of course, aligned mm-hmm. with my views a lot. Because like a big thing also like in pre-med, I've volunteered a lot of like healthcare clinics. So I think a really big thing that's like important to me is uh, having the free uh, healthcare for all. Not free, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, Medicare for all, universal health care, and having it uh, through, like, a single-payer system. I see so many countries have it. Like, I have a lot of family in, like, different countries. Like, in Canada, they have the single-payer health care system. They're pretty happy with the health care system there. And I feel like the U.S. should have health care system and not have it. We don't, we don't have to, to have the need for these underserved clinics space of volunteers where so many people are coming to all the time. Like, we don't have to have that if we just had the system. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, I mean, is, is the Bernie who you voted for in the primaries then, I'm guessing? Yeah, I did. But, like, sadly, of course, like, he had to drop out early. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, g- rolling off of that. So, as of right now, you know, today is the, the day I'm recording this. It's the first day of uh, early voting for the 
2020 presidential election. So who are you voting? Are you abstaining from voting? Are you writing in? Uh, I think I'm definitely going to vote Biden. Of course, a lot of his stuff do not agree with my views, but I feel like that Trump is, uh, with Trump, is causing too many hate crimes against minorities, immigrants. He's uh, deporting all undocumented immigrants regardless of if they don't commit any crime or anything. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like, you know, like, of course, Biden's the lesser of two evils. Like, but by Lala, Biden's views do not align with my views at all. But um, I mean, I think the main priority is to get Trump out of office so that there, there, there could be less hate crimes and like less deportation of undocumented immigrants and this alienation we see so much right now between like, I say like between majority people, between majority like white people and like minorities. Mm -hmm. So, so you think it's like a, the election is not so much based on policies, but it's more based on, you know, like kind of more ethical about one individual over the other. Yeah, I agree. Like for instance, uh, you know, like fracking is like one of the, is so in, is so harmful for the environment. Mm -hmm. Kamal Harris said, said in the debate, oh, we will not end fracking. And I was like, wow, like rest in peace our environment. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I was like, I'm kind of like a moderate Democrat. Um, like I'm a centrist, but in US's uh, political climate, I'd be considered a moderate Democrat just because, you know, uh, Biden, like, individuals like Biden and Obama, they're kind of centrists, if you look at in a general spectrum. Um, so to me, uh, I personally, my views align the most with Biden, but I definitely see the appeal of Sanders. And I also see the appeal of Trump. You know, um, a lot of my uh, people I know are uh, Trump supporters and stuff. And I think the difference between this election and 2016 election is that originally people didn't really have anything to say about Trump's record because he's never been in office. So they were like, you know, what do we have to lose? Uh, I don't like Obama. He hasn't done enough for the minorities. He, you know, he's uh, constantly had bomb raids on Middle Eastern countries. So what do we have to lose? But now we actually have a four year track record of Donald Trump being in the highest office. So my question to you is that, what do you think about his track record? So that goes for his policies and environment, that goes for his policies domestically, internationally, his handling of crisis and his handling of COVID. What do you think that, is it really as bad as some people say, or do you see like it's actually done good things as well? I don't think it's done that many good things, his policies. I honestly think he's gonna be considered you know, like one of the lower ranks of like presidents of history. Mm -hmm. uh, so like, Donald Trump, obviously, like, I, I think whatever, my mom actually voted for Donald Trump because he wanted, she wanted someone different, uh, a politician, but she's going to vote against, she told me she's going to vote against him in the general election this time because of all, like, the alienation he's doing against minorities. Working on that. So, with Donald Trump, like, technically he did do a lot of things that he said he would do. He, was, he wanted to build a wall. He tried building a wall. Here's what Mexico I found. Didn't pay for it. I mean, Mexico didn't pay for it. Then... Also, like, but the thing is, Donald Trump also did uh, things that he didn't promise. Like, for instance, he said he promised he'll get lots of jobs back for those northern workers, like Michigan. So the main reason he won is because he got those votes was for, like, the rest of the states, like Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, and mm -hmm. all that. Because he promised he'll end NAFTA, and Hillary was like, oh, I love NAFTA. And, like, yeah. that did take a lot of jobs from there. But the, this new deal he made is basically the same thing. He doesn't, there's not many jobs gone back to them. So I feel like he really hasn't done anything to make a change to especially help those Rust Belt states. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so what do you uh, think about like Trump's handling of the coronavirus? Because I know um, there is so many like conflicting opinions because on one hand, you have Democrats arguing that 200,000 plus dying is a number that we shouldn't have reached. But on Republicans, uh, a lot of Republicans argue that that number would have been in the millions if it wasn't for Donald Trump's response to coronavirus. So how do you think, um, you know, what is... How do you think, first of all, how do you think about his response? And number two, do you think Biden will be able to provide a different response than Donald Trump for better or worse? So I think his response was, of course, inadequate. Uh, we didn't have, like, he, he last year he did um, dissolve that emergency, uh, one of the national disaster emergency uh, plans. And like, so we weren't prepared enough for this in the first place. So that was a big thing. Uh, I think that he waited too long. He tried to downplay the virus way too much. And he remember he admitted that in that uh, one interview because like, of course, he didn't want his like, stock markets crashing because it, mm-hmm. it did eventually. Um, so with uh, Trump, I feel like, of course, like any response would have decreased the virus. At least he responded. And of course, if he didn't respond at all, then yeah, it would go back into the millions. But he did respond, but like all presidents would respond. And he just didn't respond early enough and he tried to downplay it too much. He, was, he did not wear a mask until like June. Like, mm-hmm. How do you not wear, how do you just like be so reluctant to wear a mask? And he still barely wears a mask when going out. He like, keeps having all, the, all these gatherings. Um, like for instance, that one uh, RNC gathering meeting where he had that huge outdoors uh, speech with like over 1,000 people close to each other, no one wearing masks. Big problem is the, a, a lot of people follow whatever this president does. They just like mindlessly will follow him. And like, if he doesn't wear a mask, if he doesn't gather, they'll do the same thing. If he wore a mask and like stopped gatherings, they would do the same thing. So he's not setting a good example at all for people. Cause I know there are definitely so many people that will just mindlessly follow him and do whatever he does. Mm-hmm. So I think that that has led like, like his like stance of not wearing masks and not having gatherings and everything has led a huge cause in increasing cases. Um, and like, when, and like not doing an astral shutdown, just letting like all the local municipalities do it. Uh, mm-hmm. So like, it's just like Florida, DeSantis was against like, like you know going to shut down like now you see Gainesville but all the midtown everyone going to midtown partying super hard no one wearing masks it's happening and like because like we lifted all our restrictions basically in Florida so I think that's a huge problem with this response I mean it's definitely going to keep increasing um, mm-hmm. like if you look at the European countries like similar countries uh, in Canada especially they decreased their number of cases a significantly amount they're barely mm-hmm. increasing now. and like yet the U.S. is increasing so much like and the main reason is because of how we how, how we responded and the example he's setting to people. Right. Um. So, do you think that um, because a lot of the time, uh, Trump has argued that it's up to the states and up to local governments how to exactly handle the coronavirus, and this is something even Biden mentioned that um he can't um actually he doesn't have the authority or the power to make masks nationally mandated. All he could do is at most uh make it mandated on government property, but not necessarily in private businesses. So do you think there should be some kind of law or adjustment in the Supreme Court to be able to pass a national mask mandate or should it be not mandated nationally and up to the local states and the local governments? I think there should be some for like an, an emergency like situation, which I believe this is. There should be some sort of national policy to do for implement for every state because every state has different political views. A lot of things will just do whatever. 
is good for themselves. So I think there should be a national policy because the U.S. of course is a uh, it's a very deregulated system. The states have so much autonomy compared to like many other um, mm. states in the world. And so like I think that's that's also a big factor. And on all like for instance, if you, even if you had a Democrat president, all these Republican uh, like governors will try to do whatever they want, you know. So I think there should be like maybe like a national policy and emergency situations that could be implemented throughout all the states because it is again one country. And like so there should be maybe like one law for all it's mm-hmm. in like in very high emergency situations not maybe like for like you know like lower tier things like education and all that but like an emergency situation like that like we have a one military for the entire country we should have right. like emergency situations with one law for all yeah so um another thing i wanted to touch on is a lot of uh you know so there was uh i think i'm not sure how long it was ago i think it's been a month or two or something but Nancy Pelosi was recorded going to a salon and getting her hair or nails, and I'm not too sure, uh, without a mask on. And that kind of sparked outrage between like the hypocrisy and the Democratic Party. So it's something that I think both parties are partially guilty of, because even if you look at, you know, the um, bills to help the U.S. citizens regarding COVID, like the COVID bills and the CARES Act, um, there was supposed to be second act passed, and but you know the Republicans want to focus more on businesses, and their bill is significantly, is, is a significant smaller amount than what Democrats are trying to pass. So the Democrats keep keep blocking these Republican bills and these Republican CARES Act. So, do you believe that, you know, that there should be some kind of middle ground? Because uh, I mean, obviously there should be a middle ground, but do you believe that Democrats need to? keep pushing back on these um, underfunded, like according to the Democrats, underfunded CARES Act, or they should give in, and then whatever we're getting, we'll take it. How, what yeah. do you think? Uh, I think they should definitely compromise. Both sides need to compromise, though. I, I know mm-hmm. like, the public party also like barely compromises, too. And I think that's a big problem in uh, U.S. politics. It's very partisan divided in the two-party system. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a very good system, a two-party system. Uh, basically, one side will vote one way one side will vote the other way and rarely do uh, any candidates vote against their political party so i think it's a two-party system in general in the u.s is very flawed i honestly think we should eventually try to get to a multi-party system like you have in many countries like in the uk canada germany where mm-hmm. like you know you have like both like the democratic party includes like wide range of people like from more left-wing people to like center-right people say the republican party republican party you got like your libertarians then you got like your white extremists. So I think it's very, like, they should, like, you know, this part, eventually you should have a multi-party system and then, like, another, like, parliament system where they have, like, coalitions and people can, like, try to, like, you know, uh, convince, like, other parties to vote along with them. So I think mm-hmm. that's, like, the best kind of system we need to have in a two-party system, as we see, is, of course, just failing us. Yeah, um, I think I had a conversation um, yesterday with one of my friends and, uh, he kind of mentioned um, this rank cho- voting system that's implemented in some of the local city governments and like one of the states, I'm not sure which one, I think it's Maine, but uh, which basically says that, oh, you rank your candidates. So let's say that, um, you know, this is your first choice, that, that's your second choice and so on and so forth. And then you have your primaries and presidential election based on that, because what that does is it allows, you know, you're not, you're you're not going to be just a candidate running against another candidate, right? Like, for example, a lot of 
uh, Biden's appeal, you know, as a Biden supporter, you know, he was my first choice, but even I admit that a big part of his appeal is that he is not Trump. Um, and same thing with Donald Trump for Republicans is that his, a big part of his appeal is that he's not Biden, but you know, the whole, um, point of the ranking voting system is that you don't have to vote for a candidate running against one specific candidate. You have to see like who has the best policies. And it also helps, you know, um, people like Bernie Sanders, because a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters, uh, they would put Bernie Sanders first, and then they would put, you know, um, maybe Elizabeth Warren or some of the other progressive candidates and their choice for Biden would be like low, like a lot lower um, on the ranking voting system. Whereas for a lot of Biden supporters, a lot of them have Bernie Sanders as their number two choice. So it would eventually lead to people like Bernie Sanders or even other candidates who are more popular, um, uh, you know, who are more accepted. I, don't, I shouldn't say popular, who are more accepted, you know, uh, between a, a larger population. Because a lot of people, for example, are okay with um, Bernie Sanders becoming president. Uh, but a lot of uh, a lot of people are are happy to to have Bernie Sanders become president, but it's not necessarily their number one choice, and it would basically go with not necessary, you know, a certain majority having a number one choice, and that majority always trumps the minority. It would genuinely be a candidate that most people accept and most people are happy with. Um, I mean, I I think there's some issues with that, but I definitely is is that kind of like what you were talking about that that's like you know that that's a one way they can remain. Uh, remove the two-party system or did you want like a hard you know like a third candidate a third party to just rise and have the kind of same voting system we have right now i think the system ranking system is definitely a very good system i think it is a definitely a good start for mm-hmm. how we want to because it allows it makes people not limited to one candidate they, they like they can vote whoever they want and say that their candidate doesn't make it and their second choice will go on there like they're okay with that too so i feel like it is definitely a good way to try to lead into a multi-party system. And eventually, hopefully the ranked votings, I know a lot of countries have implemented that too, and it's, it is a great system. So eventually the ranked party, hopefully that allows for like multiple parties to be representative within the House of Representatives and like within the Senate and mm-hmm. allow for like a more um, representative government for all people in the US. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm all for having multiple parties because um, I mean, you know, um, I'm from uh, like I'm half Indian and half Pakistani and in both of my countries um, and even in like other Eastern countries, um, there is a multi-party system. Uh, But usually in the end, two parties just kind of end up coming on top just because coalitions form uh, towards the end. But even if assuming no coalitions form, I think that um, it's it's I don't I mean, to me personally, I understand the appeal of third party. Uh, third parties and fourth parties and a multi-party system but to me that the issue with politics is when it comes to corruption or not having the best candidates forward it's not something that just goes away from with a multi-party system you know like Pakistan and India both have many parties and they're all viable parties but they still always just end up erecting very you know corrupt candidates or candidates that um don't really make the country better. Some of them are very, you know, either too right-leaning or uh, too left-leaning and they can't handle the economy. And, you know, it's 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 a lot of issues that come with it. So uh, I, I do think it's like a very tough thing to tackle. Um, but- I, I, can, I, completely, I completely agree with you, especially in Indian politics. I try to look into Indian politics too. Mm-hmm. Like um, 
the main parties being the, what, the Congress party and uh, BJP, right? Yeah. So, I mean, for instance, um, the BJ so I see BJP as a peel. Um, Congress party has been a dynasty party for a very long time. There's Nehru's party. You know, that now it's like in the, in the, in the Gandhi Rao, uh, Rajiv Gandhi Rao. And it's a very dynasty party. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of corruption within the party, for sure. So people want to change to the BJP. But the BJP is also very right, a little too right, with like the Hindu nationalism and oppressing minorities and all that. So I really don't think there are that many good options in Indian politics, especially with the main two parties. Uh, so like I believe there it is definitely flawed Indian politics with uh, the amount of corruption that goes on within the system. Mm. Yeah, and and uh, you know regarding I actually talked about in my last episode about um, the issues with third parties. Um, in this specific election, not in general, but in this specific election, because a lot of people want to vote for third parties. And they say that, you know, if enough people show for Howie Haskins, I believe that's his name, or uh, Joe, not Biden, the other one for the Libertarian Party, if pe- enough people vote for the Green Party, the Libertarian Party, or even Kanye West, um, yeah, you know, if they hit like 5% or 6%, that it will show that uh, we want a third party system. And I I understand where they're coming from, but you know, to me, that seems so ridiculous because uh, one, at the end of the day, for this specific election, you know that either Biden or Trump's gonna win. And regardless if you support Biden or Trump, saying both of them are equal is you know, the stupidest thing because you could think that you know, they're equally and morally wrong, but their policies are not equal. You could take literally any single um, you know, topic and politics, whether it's abortion and women's rights, whether it's their policies on immigration, their policies on environment, whether you agree with it or not, you could be, you could want Biden to be more left-leaning, Trump to be more right-leaning, and you don't necessarily have to 100% agree with, but you have to acknowledge they're not the same candidate. Uh, You know, they have different policies on pretty much every single topic on the ballot. So to me, saying that both of them, I don't want to vote for either of them because they're both, you know, uh, morally corrupt or whatnot. I think that's kind of ridiculous because one of them has to align with your views because there's on the opposite sides, right? You have to be either for abortion or or against abortion, right? You have to be either for um, putting our resources toward environment or putting our resources towards uh, making sure we're um, outranking China's economy. You have to be either for gay marriage or against gay. You have to be for or against these things. You can't, uh, you know, be so. Why not vote for the candidate that will, you know, best represents your views? It, it won't necessarily be the perfect candidate. You know, I, even like though Biden's my first choice. Biden's policies don't hundred percent match with mine, but I still understand that he has a lot of my similar views. So that kind of always confused me. And um, another thing was that I don't know. I don't see how voting third party does anything even if you get five six percent i think if you truly want to implement a third party you first have to get your base you know you first have to inform people and talk about people not just blindly go vote in every single election four percent three percent five percent every single election the same thing happens and it does absolutely nothing you know even if you have a couple extra percentages from last year 2016's election nothing happened after 2016 nothing happened after 2012 the Green Party and the Libertarian Party have been around for a while and none of them have accomplished anything by having people vote for them other than actually other than nothing like they literally haven't accomplished anything. So I, I agree with the third party system. I think, you know, it'd be cool to have the Green Party and the Libertarian Party. Um, 
um, it'd be on the ballot, but it's just that voting for them right now doesn't do anything. Instead, they should focus. And, you know, and it's crazy because you got to realize how many, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions, I don't know the exact number, but how much money these third parties are raking in, you know, a lot of people donate to these green parties and these libertarian parties, and they could use that money to do some real good, you know, they could use that money to lobby, they could use that money to actually implement the policies, you know, green parties biggest policies, the environment, that's their entire platform. So they could actually do that to maybe erect um, some, you know, um, hydroelectric dams or something like that, or help uh, you know, lobby for democratic progressive candidates like Bernie Sanders, like Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. And same thing with the Libertarian Party is that they can use all the money they're receiving and they can use that towards actually lobbying for right-wing candidates that best show have their views or something. But instead they waste all this money on ads and campaigns. And this happens every four years. And to me, that's ridiculous. And that's why I think a lot of people say like, oh, Howie Haskins and uh, Joe, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Uh, they're, you know, the morally better fit for candidates. And I don't think so. I think they're worse because, you know, yes, Trump and Biden get critiqued for, you know, dumb things they have said and done, but they are genuinely just taking your money and knowingly wasting it, knowing that they will not either, they neither will they win the election, nor will they actually get anything out of it. They won't hold their platform better. So they're literally taking your money and wasting it just to gain popularity and possibly money for themselves. So to me, that's a lot more morally corrupt than either Biden or Trump. And that's why I kind of like my issue comes with third parties is that just because you have more options doesn't mean they're all good options, that you're going to have a good option, you know? Yeah, I agree. The thing is, the third party system, of course, like this election, I believe, they, we should have a vote either Trump or Biden because Trump is like, like one of the worst presidents to have. He's been alienating so many, so many people. I feel like it's very important just to get him out of office so he doesn't do this for another four more years. But uh, I feel like the big thing about the 5% threshold is that what, if you get that 5% threshold, then you can get qualified for federal funding for a mm-hmm. third party, which can help in the long term get eventually much more votes and like, become a viable candidate. But I feel like in the presidential elections, right now, third-party candidates are not as viable because only one candidate wins. But I feel like third parties should be much more uh, like prominent within the congressional elections. Like I agree. Within the House of Representatives, within the Senate. And so if they can get, I think, just to start off with trying to fully focus on the Congress and trying to get local area municipalities like in California or like in Texas, mm-hmm. where, um, like, you know, they're already, like, California's already made mostly Democrats. Democrats win everything. So um, they can focus on getting these, um, you know, certain local, local places in, like, California or Texas and then get more seats within Congress, have much more power within Congress, and then eventually people will know a lot about them and they can vote for their president. So I feel like third parties should be more focused on the Congress right now. And that's why the, most of the systems, the third party systems are, are, like, countries that are, like, parliament systems. They focus on, like, getting the maximum number of seats they possibly can. For instance, mm-hmm. like in Canada, the New Democratic Party, which is like a third party in Canada, came in second in, uh, back in 2011. And they came in like third, and they still have a good amount of seats. Like, uh, they, they usually have around 30 to 40 seats, which is like a high yeah, number. So I think right. right now, third party should focus on the, definitely on the House of Representatives, and then eventually long run, maybe try to be president. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I think especially like, uh, the House of Representatives, because that is genuinely like a local, local election, you know, it's based on your counties or your district or whatever. 
And I, you know, that's, that's kind of what I mean is that I think like, yes, having that 5% federal funding would help them in the long run. But, you know, if they genuinely truly care about platforms, because you can't play the long game when it comes to environment, you can't play the long game when it comes to some of these rights, you know, for either party, you know, uh, I think that's why playing the long game, it sounds like cool in the head, but honestly, they've been playing the long game for genuinely like multiple elections. And I think it's, their resources are better used, um, you know, for local elections, especially like elections with House of Representatives, because it's hard to win. It's hard for a non-Democrat Republican to win the Senate, obviously, because the whole state is voting and majority of the people, like a vast majority of people in every single state are either Democrat or Republican. But having that third party candidate on local, you know, especially like very progressive areas like Los Angeles or even, you know, South Florida's Broward County, some of these super, super progressive districts and counties, I think you genuinely have a shot of getting a Green Party candidate. And, you know, it's a, it's a start. And it's it's not just a Green Party thing. It's also a libertarian thing because uh, a lot of Republicans, they, you know, they don't support Trump, but nor do they like Biden's, you know, compared to, you know, I'm saying left, but Biden doesn't really have very left policies. It's more central, but to them, like, you know, Biden's left policies, they don't uh, like that either. So they vote for libertarian candidates. And I think those Republicans can have their counties or their districts definitely elect libertarian candidates. And it, it would be nice to have a diverse House of Representatives because that's what the House of Representatives is supposed to be, right? The Senate is supposed to show um, kind of like the power of each state but the House of Representatives, it's supposed to be like the power of people. You know, it's your representative. It's, uh, it's. I think that um, part of our um, legislative branch is the most demonstrative uh, part of like what everyday U.S. citizen believes in things. So I think starting off there is the perfect way and then leading into Senate, uh, leading into executive branch and then slowly breaking off from that would probably be- I agree. I agree. I think the House of Representatives is very important. Honestly, in the Congress, I feel like House should have, but I don't think House and Senate should have equal power. I think mm-hmm. House should definitely have much more power than the Senate because the House is definitely representative of the people, whereas the Senate is like, of course, like you know, like say like Wyoming represents five hundred thousand people, whereas California has two senators representing thirty-nine million people. That's mm-hmm. very not representative of the people at all. So I think, of course, like of course, like they're like they're both important, but I think. Right now, starting May House should have maybe like House should have uh, more power than Senate. I, mean, I think right now Senate has a bit more power than the House, and I think it should be opposite. House should have much more power than the Senate. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, like for instance, like UK has like kind of like the the House of the House of Commons and the House of Lords, right? House of Lords is kind of like the Senate, you know, but mm-hmm. the House of Lords doesn't nearly have as so much power as the House of Commons. So that's why I think it should eventually be like the House should have eventually have more power than the Senate because House truly does represent the people. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of go back to what we're talking about in the beginning. Um, So for you being like a sick American and your experiences in that. So um, right now, there's obviously a lot of uh, tension in the country regarding BLM and TIFA, Proud Boys, and, you know, there's protests and everything. And I think this election is uh, very important when it comes to that police brutality, all those things. So uh, as a sick American, what's been your experience, um, you know, for BLM and T4 Proud Boys? Uh, what do you think, which movement do you think um, is better than the other? Do you support like uh, BLM, et cetera, et cetera? And uh, the other thing is that I know that a lot of sick Americans, you know, I've seen the news, they get racially profiled as Muslims. And there is definitely, especially since 9-11, 
there's been a lot of hate towards Muslims. And unfortunately, because um, it shouldn't exist in the first place, but um, a lot of Sikh Americans are profiled as Muslims because people aren't educated enough and they just see a turban and they believe, you know, you know what, he's a Muslim or he has a long beard and he's brown and he's a Muslim. And, you know, they get racially profiled and hate uh, are victims of hate crimes. So as a Sikh American, have you experienced anything like that or anybody you know? And number two is like, what um, kind of movement and party do you think like you support and would be the best for your community? So okay, I think Sikhs like, in general um, have definitely been racially profiled. Like the first hate crime against anyone after 9-11 was five days later against a Sikh man working at his gas station, so much shot him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like Afghani or something. I feel there is definitely much more awareness about community. Sikhs are definitely getting much more prominent. There's Sikh politicians now. There's like Sikhs in all sorts of businesses. Um, and like, especially with um, like COVID and stuff, a lot of Sikhs are trying to do community service towards community, like giving free food to everyone, all that. Like, I'll give you an example. My, Sikh, my uncle actually had a, in Orlando, right? He had a mm-hmm. hate crime back in July. Um, someone's, he's like pretty prominent within the Orlando Sikh community. He helps like lead the Gurdwara. Um, he helps, um, you know, provide like get food to the community and like helps like bring much more awareness. Like he's like talked to many like Orlando political officials and he's been on the Orlando news many times actually. Mm-hmm. So, um, so like, so I think one, one person came to his house and spray painted his car saying sick you, <laughs> which is like horrible, like a hate crime against them. But I was kind of surprised they didn't say like Taliban or Azam or anything. They just literally they knew it was like sick you. So I was like, definitely it's a huge hate crime, but it's definitely being much more awareness about the community and who the people actually are. And then not getting them confused with Muslims, like now, I think. And especially, I think now incorporating Sikh, uh, Sikh, Sikhism in a lot of public school education now in many states. I don't mm-hmm. think they haven't done it in Florida yet, but I think many states they're trying to get it implemented throughout the US. So there's nothing more awareness. As for social justice, I believe Sikhs definitely do more aligned with Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. because um, Sikhs have always been on the side of social justice. That's like throughout our history, we all been side on um, what's the most just. Sikhism always believes in equality amongst everyone. It's a very egalitarian religion. It always believed in since the beginning that men and women are equal. All castes are equal. Uh, everyone is equal within a Sikh religion. Mm-hmm. So, and I think so. So we definitely are much more of the Black Lives Matter. Everything like even within India, right? Uh, Sikhs um, had uh, to go through the 1980s, 1990s. There was huge Sikh independence movement, and then so Sikhs were the minority in India too. And they are the huge targets back in the, especially in the 80s and 90s. By the, when after the assassination of Indira Gandhi, Sikhs were very much targeted. Yeah, like, there was huge, like, of course, like, programs against Sikhs where Congress, Congress government officials were giving lists of names to all these writers. Like, they're burning, burning Sikhs' lives, uh, burning Sikh businesses. They killed many Sikhs. I think about 10,000 Sikhs died in 1984 those five day riots. It was like, mm. horrible. And so, and also within the 80s and 90s, there was a, the Punjab government was, uh, you know, caused a lot of disappearances of like thousands of Sikhs, like Sikh youth men, where um, they were they were just accused them of being terrorists and like when they really weren't. And then um, they just disappeared. No one ever heard from them again. Most of them were murdered, they believe. And um, yeah, so like Sikhs have definitely faced the, the fruit of being profiled by police, of being, um, having to go through like government dis- systematic discrimination. I feel like mm-hmm. so many, especially when the ones that come to the U.S. and Canada and all that, those are the ones that, ones that come to like U.S., Canada, the U.K., those six, those are the ones that came because 1980s, 90s Punjab was like, was uh, not a good place to live in because of all the profiling that was going on and the terrorism and, uh, you know, 
and the uncertainty mm. of how life will be. So a lot of them came, and a lot of them are against, actually very much against the Indian government and what they stand for. And um, so like, and a lot of them still also, like a lot of them in the six, I know here, support the free Kashmir movement in India because mm. um, they, 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 they kind of sympathize with them, uh, like how the Indian army and government have been treating them. Because like, I know they do treat Kashmir as kind of like shit. <laughs> So that's like a big thing with us. And I think, I feel like India also like capitalizes on this too in general. For instance, like my parents told me, like they learned growing up that in the 80s, 90s, like Congress party, the Congress party of India is considered like, you know, kind of like the Democratic Party here, I think the more secular and stuff. But mm-hmm. they learned growing up that Congress party is bad. Congress parties are out to get to because Congress party did cause the disappearance of so many Sikhs. They caused so many deaths of Sikhs without all uh, rioting and programs against them. So they have learned parents time growing up congress party is really bad but now bjp came in and bjp is much more right the congress but bjp does try to capitalize on this like they try to say oh we will bring those congress party officials to justice you know that that, that they haven't for 19 for 1984 that they haven't been brought to justice and like last six know that's that kind of bs congress party ended up winning the job in the last election for like the first time in many years so i think so that's why i think where the third party thing comes like in power because like, you know, six, of course, the like Congress party does so many bad things to six, but BJP, of course, doesn't represent the six at all. So mm-hmm. I guess our third parties like, come into power. But like, for instance, there's uh, the Akali Dal party, which is like a Sikh nationalist party in India. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they kind of ally with the BJP, so they don't win. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, really no, I, third party. Yeah, I kind of like, it's uh, kind of like similar to like the parties kind of here, because obviously the Democratic Party, um, uh, back in the day, they were... Uh, um, yeah, the KKK kind of originated from the old Democratic Party, and um, there was like a lot of you know uh, corruption, and uh, you know the Democratic Party was the party of the South. You know, uh, Abraham Lincoln obviously famously was a Republican. The Union uh, was a Republican, and the Confederates were the Democratic Party. And obviously, uh, in the 1900s, there was the switch that happened where the Republican Party became. Um, not a not a party of the races, obviously, but they became like a more the more right wing party, and the Democrats became the more left wing party. So uh, it kind of sounds similar to that, where you know the Democratic parties, much like Congress in India, they're not you know without their flaws, without their corruption, without their like dark history. Um, so it's definitely interesting. I don't really talk about international politics, but it's definitely interesting hearing from a lot of people's like home countries. So I wanted to ask. You mentioned that. Um, the six back in the day that uh, they were fighting for their uh, independence. So is that something that many six in India and even Sikh Americans still support and independence from, you know, not even just India, like Pakistan, because part of Punjab is in Pakistan. So having the state of Punjab as a whole in India and Pakistan being independent countries, is that something you support? Uh, I'm not sure if I support it right now. I feel like it wouldn't be as feasible because it'd be like a landlocked nation surrounded by like two nuclear powers. Mm-hmm. So I think feasibility might as better. But I feel like there's definitely are injustice against them and they need to be resolved. Um, especially throughout the history, 1980s and 90s was a horrible time then. But um, six in India, I know for six in India, they don't support the independence movement nowadays because um, like it just kind of died out in India. But the ones that came abroad to like US, Canada, UK, they definitely heavily still support it. Like I went, I was in Times Square and back in, um, in um, New Year's, back on like around New Year's, so it was like January 1st, 2nd or 3rd, right? So, oh, that's crazy. I, big, I was there around that time, too. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's crazy, yeah. So I saw a big screen thing on, like, on Times Square. It said, uh, 
Palestine referendum. Palestine was a state independent nation, mm. uh, like that they proposed, uh, and Indian occupation of Punjab. It was like a big screen, like a like like a, you know twenty thirty second documentary of showed on the screen on that. Like so, like it is that been so prominent. I saw it on a Times Square back in January. Is that in and Indian occupation of Punjab. Then I go to like uh, Canada, like like, in, like the, some of the Toronto Gurdwaras, and like they definitely just have a lot of posters that say and and Indian occupation of Punjab. Uh, free Khalistan and then like so like they definitely honor like a lot of these people and they definitely still heavily support the movement especially in like abroad countries mm-hmm. yeah no that's that's definitely interesting because um, I've definitely like especially since you mentioned the uh, independence of Kashmir from India and everything I obviously I support that I think um, I think religion play, plays a big part in you know national politics and uh no matter how hard they try, there will be an animosity between Hindus and Muslims. And it's not like, you know, the citizens fall. I think it's the government's fault because, you know, elected officials like uh, Narendra Modi and even, um, you know, Pakistan's officials, uh, uh, the prime, the last, the, not this current prime minister, the prime minister before Imran Khan, he was super like anti-Hindu and anti-India and everything. Um, and I think these governments like perpetuate the constant fight. And then, you know, it's not just about Hindus and Muslims. There are other religions in both countries. There are Christians, Sikhs, uh, Buddhist. So it, um, you know, I think that kind of oppression would is just bound to happen, you know, and especially in uh, uh, the part of Kashmir and Jammu that India owns. I've seen like the atrocities and, uh, you know, when the whole fighting was happening, complete utter lockdown and changing the laws where, you know, um, allowing Indians and like Indian Hindus to come and buy land in Kashmir, obviously that's going to lead to gentrification and eventually it's going to lead to, you know, the Muslims being pushed out from their land and everything. Cause that's what happens. You know, we even see that in America, uh, gentrification of black neighborhoods. Uh, and it's kind of like happening in a lot of different countries. So, uh, I, def- I definitely like uh, sympathize with that point of view. You know, we see that with Uyghur Muslims as well, where they're a minority uh, in China and they're being oppressed and, you know, taken to these camps, which uh, rehabilitation camps, which is supposed to be for their betterment, but at the same time, they're keep being locked up. And they're, you know, according to the stories at least, they're being served up foods that Muslims uh, are not allowed to eat. So I think that's, you know, that's why I think like all the minorities in the world, they understand each other's pain, they sympathize with each other because they've kind of been through the same thing. So I definitely um, see that. So I guess um, the final thing I wanted to ask is that, um, so you mentioned that you're uh, a Bernie Sanders supporter. So after this election, what direction would you want the U.S. as a Sikh American, as a Sanders supporter, as a progressive, where would you want the U.S. to head? I would hope to see U.S. into a much more accepting country. Uh, I would hope to see that U.S. Is like helps some of these undocumented immigrants, try like people on DACA try to achieve citizenship. I want to see the U.S. try to help people that are can't afford health care and like can, that they can get on a health care plan be able to afford it because there are so many uninsured people within the U.S. Mm-hmm. and I just I would like to see uh, all these changes to be happen within the U.S. but I feel like it's gonna be slow. A big thing also I want to see like less police officers shooting black people which is like horrible because like whenever someone sees a black people black police person 
since he's a black person, you think of him as like a thug. I want like that to end. I want U.S. to be a, a good country, accepting country. We're not just the not for not just for upper class people, but for everyone, regardless of class, race, gender. I, that's what I want to, to see the U.S. as. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing. So, thank you first of all. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, giving me your time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you for having me. It's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Uh, for everybody listening, thank you for joining in for another episode, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.